Please stand with me as I read God's passage, God's Word. We're in Luke 1. Luke 1, verse 26, and there we read, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is God's holy word. Please be seated. <clears throat> We see in Luke 1 that God, that His heart is to break through the heavens and send us a Savior to save us from our sins. That's what Christmas is all about. God has sent a Savior. And God marks this grand occasion by sending a powerful angel from heaven, the angel Gabriel, to a young ordinary, undistinguished, uneducated, teenage, peasant, Jewish girl by the name of Mary. And this is like God. I mean, Mary today is the most famous woman to ever live. But at this time, nobody knew about Mary. And God chooses this ordinary person. Now, we see that throughout Scripture that God loves to use ordinary people like you and like me. In fact, in Luke's second book, in Acts 4.13, the rulers, the religious leaders said, now when they saw the, bo the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, ordinary men, they were astonished 
and they recognized they had been with Jesus. They were ordinary people. God loves to use ordinary people. Sometimes you might feel that I'm not qualified, I'm not prominent, I'm not gifted enough to do this and for God to really use. That is a lie of Satan. For example, uh, maybe God is prompting you to, to lead a small group, to shepherd some other people, and, and the voice that you hear is, oh, I cannot do that. God loves to use ordinary people like you and me. So, she's a young, undistinguished person. We read of her in 27 that she is a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And when he tells us that her uh, fiancé's name is Joseph and he is of the house of David, he is giving us a hint that this is a royal line because King David, the royal line, if he's in the royal line, a hint this baby will be a king. In fact, what we will see later, he will be the king, the Savior King, the long-awaited divine Messiah come to save us from our sins of the house of David. This powerful angel overwhelms Mary, appears to her. Don't, when you think angel in the Bible, don't think a little sweet cherub. But think powerful angel every time in Scripture, or practically every time, when a human uh, sees an angel, they, they cower in fear, and so does Mary. The angel Gabriel says, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. O favored one is the everyday Greek word for the word grace, except it is a past tense, and it doesn't sound so uh, smooth in our language. They say, oh, graced one. And so the translators usually translate favored one. But that's what grace means. It's, it's God's favor, undeserved favor. So the angel Gabriel is saying, Mary, you are favored. You are graced by God. And then he says, the Lord is with you. Now, and a terrifying experience, that would be both very encouraging to her because all the turmoils that she's going to have, she's going to need to hang on to those two truths. I'm favored by God. I am the recipient of God's lavish grace, and the Lord is with me. Now, church, what God wants you and me to know is that if we are in Christ, those same two truths, they are true of us, equally as true of us. We are favored by God. We are graced by God. For example, all through Ephesians, such as Ephesians 1.3 or 1.6, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him, in Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. You are graced, favored by the love and the mercy of God and completely forgiven of all your sins. Or Jesus says to us at the end of Matthew's gospel, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now Mary is going to have some tough months coming up and some tough years coming up. And you and I are going to have some tough times. That's part of our humanness. And we need to hang on to these two truths. The Lord's favor, grace is upon you. And the Lord is with you always. 
we hang on to those. Now, Gabriel speaks to her fear. Verse 29, we read, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You don't have to fear. Uh, the, the, the suggestion is you can stop being afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. He repeats that she's in God's favor. Do not be afraid, Mary. Again, it was always overwhelming when a powerful angel would, would, would appear to him. Now, fear. 365 times God says something to this effect, do not be afraid. Do not give way to fear. Take your fears and trust the Lord with your fears. Now, it's been said that fear is the governing human emotion. Certainly it is lethal. So often it is painful, and we all wrestle with fear. And God's word to you, God's word to me this morning, do not be afraid. So, what is your biggest fear this morning? Would you think of at least one fear? We all got fears. What is your biggest fear? Can you hear the voice of God to you? Do not be afraid. Don't give way to fear. Bring your fears to God. It's His voice all through the Scriptures. Okay, Gabriel has more to say about this birth when he says in verse 31, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, we've read the Christmas story countless times. We know this story. Mary had never read Luke 1. She didn't know this story. Here she is. She is engaged, betrothed legal engagement. She's not sleeping with Joseph. They're not having sex. And she understands Gabriel to be saying, Mary, before you get married to Joseph, you're going to have a baby. Now, you're 14, 15 years old. And this angel is telling you things like this. And it is just uh, overwhelming you. Mary, you are going to conceive and bear a son before your marriage. And he even gives them the name. And you are going to call him Jesus. That was a common enough name in the, in the Hebrew world. It would be the word Joshua in the Old Testament. Or if we can make it a little bit more Hebrew, we could we pronounce it Yeshua. Yeshua. Y apostrophe S-H-U-A. And that Y apostrophe would be shorthand for Yahweh. And the Shua is the Hebrew word for save. And so Joshua meant Yahweh, God, saves. So, Mary, you're going to have a baby boy, and we are going to call him God saves. We're going to call him Savior because he is coming to save us from our sin. And later in Luke's gospel, Jesus gives us his one-line mission statement of why he came to earth in Luke 19.10. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Do you know that God's heart for you, Christmas, is that God sent a Savior for you? He has sent a Savior. Jesus. Call him Savior. 
So Mary is just taking this in. He continues. Gabriel continues about this baby. Verse 32, he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. He will be great. That is such an understatement. I love what John Piper says about this verse when he says that a Christian who feels ashamed of Jesus Christ is like a candle feeling ashamed of the sun. And when I read those words, oh, I feel convicted. How in the world could we be ashamed of Jesus? Piper goes on. Our Lord has been appointed the heir of all things. Through him, God created the world. He reflects the glory of God and bears the very stamp of his nature, upholding the universe with the word of his power. Is there anything great in the world that excites you? That you go out of your way to see or hear? Christ made it. And, and he is 10 million times greater in every respect. If you took all the greatest thinkers of every country and of every century of the world and put them in a room with Jesus, they would shut their mouths and listen to the greatness of his wisdom. <laughs> and we're ashamed of Jesus? Come on. Like a candle being ashamed of the sun. He will be great. And he will be called the son of the most high. Old Testament phrase, the Son of God. Or, as we know it from New Testament passages, the eternal Son of God, God the Son. That's who this baby will be. Now, can you imagine Mary taking all of this in and the tension building? Whoa! Man. There's more. In 32, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And the implicit becomes explicit. Yes, he will sit on a throne for he is king. We'll give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And in case she doesn't catch that, that forever part, he says it again. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. This is not a normal king who reigns for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. This king is the king, is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords, and he will reign forever. Glory. He will be great. Three times in that one long sentence, reference to his kingship. This baby, born to a peasant Jewish girl, throne, reign, kingdom. He's the king. He's the king. Now, it's almost too much for, for Mary to grasp, and so she has a question. She responds, how can this be, how will this be, since I am a virgin? Earlier in Luke's gospel, there was a similar appearance of Gabriel to the priest Zechariah about John the Baptist being a forerunner. And Zechariah doesn't believe it. His wife is barren. His wife is old. He is old. He doesn't believe it. And his, he expresses his doubt, and he's made mute after that. He can't talk. Mary is not doubting. She believes it. She just wonders, how in the world will this be, Gabriel? I am not having sex with Joseph. How will this be since I am a virgin? 
practical question. And Gabriel responds to her in 35, almost too beautiful for words. The Most High or the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Wow. The Spirit of God will somehow uh, overcome you and you will get pregnant. No sex. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you and Jesus will be conceived. God himself. He will be called holy. And we think of Isaiah's great word, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. He will be holy. He will be the son of God. And he has come to save us from our sin. Now Mary, trying to take all of this in, Gabriel just telling her that she's going to bear this Messiah, King, God, divine Messiah. Now he's got to encourage her that God can do it. And so what he reminds her of in verse 36, he says, And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Now, earlier in the chapter that we did not study, did not read, here is Zechariah and Elizabeth, 50s, 60s, 70s, and she's barren, but God's going to send a special messenger for the Messiah through them, John the Baptist, and now she's six months pregnant, and he's just telling Mary, she's six months pregnant. And then he says, he makes the point in verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. All through the Bible, church, we read it. Nothing will be impossible with God. We read it in Genesis 18 when Sarah is 89 years old and she'd been promised a baby to have the line of the Jews. For 24 years she's been promised, but she's barren and she's way too old. And God comes to Abraham one day and says to Abraham, this time next year, your wife Sarah is going to get pregnant and have a baby. And Sarah is eavesdropping behind the tent, inside the tent. And when she hears that, she kind of laughs to herself, ha, in unbelief. And God knows what she said and says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Sometimes when I am asking God for something God-sized, which I do every day, a number of things, I need to be reminded of what God said to Sarah. God says to Jeff, is anything too hard for the Lord? What do you have that you're trusting God for that is not safe and easy? That if God doesn't come through in a miraculous way, you have no chance. Do you know all through the Bible, God does the God-sized things for His glory? Now, God does not give us a Bible full of these God-sized miracles as a book of exceptions because God never does that. Whatever God did then, God can do now. 
Whatever God did with them, God can do with us. Whatever God did at that time, God can do now. He can do it again. Now, what is it that you need God to do that's God-sized? Some of you have a child or a parent or a loved one who has resisted God all their lives. And you are just wondering, I just don't know if it's possible. God says to you this morning, is anything too hard for the Lord? Some of you have a marriage that is causing you so much grief and pain that you don't know if you can stand it and you just think, well, humanly, there's no way it can be changed. God says to you this morning, is anything too hard for the Lord? You need healing or a child or a loved one needs miraculous healing. And God says to you, is anything too hard for the Lord? And if we are not praying for those kind of God-sized things from a miracle-working, prayer-hearing God, then I would submit to you that we are practical atheists. And we get a dab of religion, but we don't believe in the real God. Because my Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.5 that there will be those in the latter days who hold to a form of religion but deny its power. And he's not on our, our timetable, and he is not a genie in a bottle, but he is the almighty God. And he says to you and to me this morning, is anything too hard for the Lord? And we don't stop praying till we die. Mo Mary has this classic response. It's not obvious to us, but it is classic. She says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Why is that something? Because she's basically saying, yes, Lord. You say that, then I am the Lord's servant. Let it be to me according to your word. Now, she doesn't know how this is going to play out. She doesn't know all the pain and turmoil, but she could guess. Because in our day, unwed pregnancy is not that big a deal. But in that day, huh. She could be stoned to death. She would certainly be ostracized. Certainly Joseph is going to divorce her, which he tried to do until Gabriel came back to him and said, it's all right, I'm in this. So she would lose her husband. Nobody else is going to marry her. She's going to be on her own. She's going to be kicked out of her town, kicked out, ostracized completely, maybe stoned to death. And what does Mary say if not, yes, Lord? And God is looking for people of faith who will, not knowing the future, say to him, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Whatever it is you've got to say, the answer already is, yes, Lord. What is God calling you to do this morning? What has God said in his word about your money, about your sexuality, about your marriage, about anything in your life, about your gossip, about pride? Is he, whatever he's saying to you, the answer is, yes, Lord. Because he is the king, and I am the servant. Yes, Lord. Stand with me, please. If you are here and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, Christmas is all about a Savior. It's all about a Savior.
Receive him now. Say yes, Lord, to a Savior. Church, fella, disciples, men and women of God, let's make it our life to say yes, Lord, whatever he says. Lord, we bless you. May we see you as you are, as the God of the impossible, the God who says, do not fear, the God who came to save us. Bless you. Bless you. Oh, God. Amen.